through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, like up to 24 months no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. I was listening to Greg's sportscast, and, and he pointed out that the Packers special teams, and they just fired their coach again, Five. There will be what now? Five coaches since 2014, but in in the rankings, they finished in 32nd place. For people who might not know it, would you like to guess how many teams there are in the NFL? Well, if you guessed 32, you would be correct. So let's put this in context. The Green Bay Packers, who somehow managed to win 13 out of 17 games, they did it with the worst special teams in the league. Worse than the Carolina Panthers, worse than the Detroit Lions, worse than the New York Giants, worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars, worse than the New York Jets. It is almost amazing to me that the Packers, it really is, is a testament to how good the offense and how good the defense must have been that you could win as many games as they did by having an atrocious special teams and you do really wonder and this is not new this has been going on for several years you do kind of wonder what could have been what could have been this year if the special teams weren't awful what could have been in previous years if the special teams weren't awful but again that's that's wishing and hoping and wondering but yeah they they finished 32 out of 32 worse than the new york jets worse than jacksonville Worse than the New York Giants. Worse than the Lions. It's just, it's staggering how bad they must have been. All right, we have a lot of ground to cover on today's program. Let's get started. We talk regularly in the show about the out-of-control crime in the city of Milwaukee. The um, car theft numbers, it is just staggering to me that they're not getting better. Uh, Two years ago... 4,500 cars stolen in the city of Milwaukee. Last year, that number went up to 10,000. 500 approximately 10,500 almost as many cars stolen total in the city of Milwaukee as there were in the entire city of Chicago and Chicago's got 2.7 million people Milwaukee's got 600,000 and it's it's juveniles that are stealing them in and about they estimate about 50% of the cars that are stolen are from juveniles and then it's other everybody else and nobody's held accountable and we talk about that a lot this year it, this would be 2022. It is almost impossible to believe this, but there have been 52 more cars stolen this time this year than there were at the same time last year. The most current numbers that I have, and the Milwaukee Police Department has a crime statistics number that's up there, it, it's always kind of lagging a little bit, but it, it gives you a, a good indicator. Um, last year at this time, 812 cars were stolen. This year, 864 cars have been stolen. So coming out of 2021, when we thought it cannot get worse, well, it has gotten worse. It's just absolutely staggering to me. And, you know, we talk about this a lot. I think there's a lot of people who 
um, have choices as to where they can live or where they can go to shop or where they can go to eat are, are coming to this conclusion that, you know, they like their cars and they don't want to park them on the mean streets of Milwaukee and come out from a restaurant and find that your car has been vandalized or your car is gone. And nobody has any really good ideas about it. My response is it's time to start putting mandatory minimum penalties in and it's time to say to these car thieves, enough is enough, and I include juveniles in that. But I want to tell you an interesting story. And Fox 6 had this story, and I want to get your reaction to it. Here, here's how they, they reported this. It's, it's a couple, and each of them have a car. So what happened is this couple had two of their cars stolen from them in a matter of days. Here's apparently, you know, what happened. It was it was mid January and the the lady, she worked at the Milwaukee Christian Center. All right, which is of course a place that's donated to trying to help the community. What happened is um, when she was she went to a job site, her keys were in her purse and the purse was stolen. All right, so you know that's what happened. So when she returned to uh, her, her car from the job site, purse was stolen, car was stolen. All right. Then what happens is she's driving uh, a truck, and apparently the the truck is parked on the, the lot where they, they work, where she works. It's it's be in an enclosed area. Well, somebody comes back. Keep in mind they've got the key fobs, and so they steal the truck. So. You now have a situation where, in a matter of days, both of their cars have been stolen. All right, so they decide, okay, look, th- this is enough, enough. They report the thefts to the police, but, all right, the, the police essentially say there, there's nothing we can do. And, you know, we'll, we'll look for it, but that's fine. So the couple starts hunting, driving around the north side to try to found, find their vehicle. They found the Jeep Cherokee parked near 34th and Lloyd. The same day, they learned their Dodge Ram was involved in a police chase. Um, Days later, it was discovered near 60th and Valite. Thousands of dollars of tools were missing. There was a new tint to the windows. So apparently, the thieves were trying to, I don't know, tint the windows of that themselves. So, you know, they're able to find, you know, one of of their cars, and the, the other one, well, okay, it, it turns up after being used in the police chase. But they decided to take it upon themselves, recognizing, and this is not a criticism of the police, and I don't intend that to be, but when you've got, when you've got, you know, darn near, you know, 800 plus cars, 864 cars stolen in 31, 32, 33 days, there, there's just no way the police can keep up with the number of cars that are being stolen off, off the street. So they decide, we're going to start taking our cars back. We're going to take this into our own hands. We're going to go try to find the vehicles ourselves. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. They're driving around the north side looking for their cars. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this silly? Is this unreasonably risky? Or is this just a logical response after you have been victimized twice in this fashion in one week? All right, were they champs to do this, 
or is this just unnecessarily risky trying to recover your own car? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Okay, I mean, let's, let's face it. If you own a car in the city of Milwaukee, at the rate of 25 cars a day being stolen for the last two years, maybe a little bit more, I mean, chances are sooner or later your car is going to be gone. And nobody in authority seems to be too terribly concerned about that other than giving it lip service. So the story on Fox 6 the other night, a couple who has both of their cars stolen in a matter of a week, they reported to the police. But I, I look, and the, the cops, I'm sure they're saying, do you understand what's going on here? We've got all these murders. The homicide rate is going through the roof. We've got people careening through red uh, red lights we've got all this reckless driving and, and we've got already 850 860 cars stolen well if, if it turns up we'll we'll let you know well they decide it's not good enough so they go driving around the north side looking for their cars one of them ended up being used in a high-speed chase the second one though they 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 find they, they find the car 855-616-1620 would what do you think about the idea of using self-help uh, Jeff, this happened to my brother-in-law and wife. Their car was stolen. They reported it. Then they took their spare key and drove around. Once they found it, they waited for the people to exit and stole it back. Although there was quite a bit of damage, they were at least able to pay their deductible and get it fixed. Jeff, I've heard stories like this several times in recent years where people located their stolen vehicles, called MPD, but officers were too busy with other higher priority crimes like shooting to respond before the thieves appeared while the owners watched their vehicles drive away again. I'm not risking my life trying to intervene. It's a jungle out there with the habitual criminals. Um, Jeff, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you have to fight crime on your own. The police either don't want to or can't do it for whatever reason. Um, my Jeep got stolen a couple years ago. I had GPS tracking information on the vehicle, went to the police station with that evidence. They laughed at me, claiming they thought I was living in a movie or something like that. So I had to go myself and look to see if I could find my vehicle. Let's start with Ed in Bayview. Ed, you're on WTMJ. My daughter had her Hyundai stolen out of her driveway in the suburb south of Milwaukee. And I have a friend that is a police officer, and he and I were going to go out And he said they're finding cars within, it was about a mile square area on the north side. And we were about to leave to go search ourselves. And we got a phone call actually from a person that was hit by someone driving my daughter's car. And this woman took a cell phone video and watched these younger, looking to be middle school kids, jump out of the car and go running. Um, But she got a hold of my daughter based on something that was in the car, told her where it was. We called the police. Unfortunately, the car was totaled, um, but I don't know that we would have found it. We found it within 12 hours. I don't think we would have found it within 12 hours had that situation not happened, but we were just about to go search for it ourselves. Middle, I want to go back to what you, middle school kids, or at least that's what it looked like. It ripped off your daughter's car. They were younger. She showed yeah. us the, the cell phone video. They were younger. They were, they were middle school. My daughter's actually a teacher. Um, and she was pretty confident they were middle schoolers. Mm. Mm. Thanks for the call, Ed. I, 
you know, what, what do you say to stuff like that? Here's a text, Jeff. Most recently, it's most definitely risky unless you're not going to gauge the people who stole your car. But guess what? By the time you call the police and they get there, that car will be on the move. If the Milwaukee Police Department would pull over the car with no plates, half of the stolen cars would be recovered. Yeah, that's what we were talking about yesterday, one of our, our texters. And it is an interesting thing. I, I, I put out this challenge yesterday. Just drive around. As, as you're driving to work, as you're driving to dinner, as you're driving around, just look and see how many cars you notice on the road that don't have any license plates. And, and just uh, my guess is, I don't know, 15%, 20%, 30%, you know, who knows exactly what that number is going to be. And you know that, okay, the, the reason those cars are driving without license plates is probably because they're either stolen or they're unregistered um, or or whatever. There, there's not a good reason to be driving without that license plate. My point was maybe we should start pulling people over for that. Frank in Caledonia. Frank, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Yes, I'm... Well, I have a, I've been a used car dealer since 1983, and I, trust me, I've had my northwest side of Milwaukee. I've made my share of cars stolen. And yes, I used to drive around a lot of times at night through alleys, streets, and I I probably found about three or four of them on my own, without exaggeration. <laughs> it's. I mean, what what is it that motivated you to do that? Did you just get fed up with the fact that you're 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 just tired of being a victim? My rear end is what it does exactly. Yeah. And after you know you lose you lose a half dozen catalytic converters in one night, three complete sets of wheels and tires. You know when your cars are parked on one of the highest traffic counts in the city of Milwaukee and nothing happens about it, it just it gets to you. Yeah. No. Thanks for calling. I, I I understand. And this is this is the story. We we are. We being you, me, and the general public are so far ahead of the chattering class, the judges, the prosecutors, and and the politicians on how fed up people are. You were talking about catalytic converters. Here's a text that just came in. Jeff, our catalytic converter was taken from our car this past Sunday from our church parking lot as the service was going on. 10 a.m. I can't get it fixed until April. I mean, it's just, okay, church service and people are stealing catalytic converters. Dear friends of mine, John and Mary, they had a, uh, an older vehicle. They, they had the catalytic converter stolen out of that as it sat in their driveway. Jeff, insurance companies cover thefts. Everyone needs to buy car insurance so that we aren't chasing down our own cars as well. This is why we should all have car insurance. Well, yeah, I, I, I understand. And, and that's, that's the one response. You say, okay, well, that's part of the reason why we've gotten into the, this mess with um, auto theft is because prosecutors and courts have, have, view, and ju- have viewed this as kind of a victimless crime. Oh, so they stole your car. You know, what the heck? You've got auto insurance. And all right, so you have to put out a $50, deductible or whatever your deductible it is. It's, it's not worth engaging this. We've got other fish to fry. We've got other bigger things to worry about. Well, all right, tell that to the people. Tell that to these folks who were on Fox 6 the other night, who two cars stolen in a week, for goodness sakes. Now, look, I'm not encouraging vigilantism, but the, the re- purpose behind this is, again, to try to make people understand that we are all in this very, very leaky boat, 
and the response that we have gotten from the people in the community over the last several years is not good enough. Don't don't trot some alderman out whining about. Well, you know, we we we've got to do something about this. All right, let, let's let's talk about what really needs to be done, and, and let's initiate this stuff. And no, it's not midnight basketball, and we we need more services for those fifteen-year-olds that are out stealing cars and leading police on chases at ninety-five miles an hour. No, it, it's it's kind consequences for those kids and maybe it's juvenile boot camps you know i don't know what exactly it is but it's not sending them back home over and over again after slapping them on their wrists and what people need to understand is that law-abiding average citizens are fed up they're mad as you know what and they do not choose to take this anymore and that's the problem jeff i had my car stolen from school OnStar was very helpful, and they found it. Police told us they would approach the vehicle and let us know when it was safe to come get it. It ended up being towed to be fingerprinted and such. It was just taken for a joyride by some high school kids. That, of course, I mean, that's that's the way, theoretically, you would like to have it happen. Although, I would say... There's no such thing as taking cars for joyrides. You steal a car, you have committed a felony, and you need to be held accountable. Jeff, I believe that trying to recover your own car is unnecessarily risky. If they're willing to steal your car, they are more than willing to carjack the car that you are using. Yeah, oh, there's, there's no question about it. I mean, you have this criminal underclass that has no respect for anything, no respect for other people's property, no respect for other people's lives. And, yeah, I think it's it's an unreasonably risky maneuver, but it shouldn't come to this. And, again, that's the purpose of this segment of the show. It's to say, at what point in time are we collectively as a community going to say enough is enough? And we don't want to be in a position where we have to put our lives on da- in danger trying to find our cars after they have been stolen on a regular basis. We want authorities to do it, and then we want to hold the punks and thugs who've stolen our cars. We want to hold them accountable. I'm not an advocate for vigilantism, but the problem is, when the system breaks down and does not protect law-abiding people or their property, it leads people into, I've got to, I'm going to try to get my car back myself because I'm tired of being a victim. The system has to do better, and we're failing big time right now. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Can I just say I love that ad? I mean, I, Bob Donovan, who's been a friend of the program for, for years, um, clearly is the most conservative of various candidates running for mayor. And I, I, I mean, fighting Bob Donovan, it, at least, you know, when when you hear some of the people who want to run for mayor talk, they're, they're talking about things like, well, you know, the, the jails are just too overcrowded. We have too many people in jail. All right, yeah, yeah, that's the solution to Milwaukee's crime problem. Let's release people. Oh, good thinking there. You know, this whole notion of, oh, it's over-policing, and we need to put more resources into, I don't know, the midnight basketball stuff. Bob Donovan is not that guy. Now, I don't know if that message is going to resonate in Milwaukee nowadays, but love that ad, absolutely. Hey, I do I want to mention this because I, I often talk about working for good karma. And, and here's, I mean, I have... I've been at WTMJ for 24 years, and I've seen us go through lots of different iterations. When I started, we were owned, it it was Journal Communications, which owned the newspaper at the time, and TV stations, and it was a 
an employee-owned company. Uh, then it, it went it went public, and then after that, they, they ended up breaking it up and, and selling it off, and the newspaper went one place, and the radio stations and TV stations went to another place, and you know we were owned by Scripps for a while, and now we're owned by, by Good Karma Broadcasting, um, which has, has it's based in Milwaukee, but it, you know they have radio stations all across the country. And I've always said, and, and I mean this sincerely, a Good Karma is really a great place to work. If you're in this industry and you have a chance to work for Good Karma, I, I encourage you to, to do it. And I, I say that because I believe it, not because... I, I have to say things like that. It, it just that's I'm at the stage of my career where if if I didn't think it was a good place to work for, I, I would <laughs> I would probably not be be working here anymore. But but they do a lot of good things in the community, and our, our management really makes a lot of decisions that I think that we we don't talk about all the time. But it's decisions that aren't necessarily driven by the bottom line. It's decisions that are driven by the fact that they think it's the right thing to do. And and I was so impressed when our our management made this decision yesterday. Um, If you haven't seen it, um, Herbert Davis, who was the officer who was shot by the the guy, it was the middle of the night, about what a week and a half ago or so, and they had made the the, the sheriff's deputy had made a traffic stop, and people got out and ran. And Officer Davis was one of the people on the um, you know on the, on the scene and was involved in this sort of thing, and he ended up getting shot on on multiple occasions. and And the good news, of course, is that that he's going to survive, and that really is absolutely great news. He's getting a lot of attention, and, he, and he's a Cincinnati Bengals fan. So everybody knows the Cincinnati Bengals are, are going to the Super Bowl this year. And, you know, yesterday on Wisconsin's Afternoon News, you know, our our management, uh, together with John McCure, announced that they had Officer Davis, you know, who was in the studio, and they announced that uh, we're going to be sending him to, and a guest, to go to Los Angeles to watch the Bengals take on the Rams in the Super Bowl. Two tickets, airfare, hotel, and spending cash. Now, I, this is, I just thought this was a cool thing to do. And, and I just, it's one of the things, and, and like I say, good karma does stuff, a lot of stuff flies under the radar that it's really not designed to, it's good things for the community, but it's not necessarily designed to, you know, be made public and stuff. In this case, it was made public. But what a great, what a great thing to do! And I am often very, very proud to work for this company. And today's another one of those occasions because I thought this was just a tremendous thing to do. All right. Now we all know we talk frequently about the car thefts and stuff like that. You will remember a couple months ago there were a couple of Milwaukee aldermen whose idea as to how to deal with the car theft problem was to write the manufacturers and say, you're making it too easy for your cars to be stolen. So, you know, we want you to be held accountable because people are stealing Kias and Hyundais and things like that at an alarming rate, and that's because they know that there's a glitch in the security thing, and it's easier to steal those cars than other type of cars. So it's sort of like saying... 
We've got a we've got a rash of burglaries going on, and you homeowners, you don't have a deadbolt lock on your door, so you're the ones that are going to be responsible. That's the same sort of thing. Instead of dealing with the underlying problem that you've got these punks and thieves that are out there stealing people's cars with no regard for anything, it's the auto manufacturer's problem. The Wall Street Journal actually wrote about this about a week ago, and Milwaukee is a national laughing stock for taking this particular position. So. In the wake of all of the gun violence that's going on, and right now, uh, again, according to these crime statistics things that I look at, this time last year, there were 11 homicides in the city of Milwaukee. And, and last year, we set an all-time record, 194 homicides. Last year, there were 11. This year, there are 25. We're on pace for 300 homicides in the city of Milwaukee. It, it's just it's unbelievable. And, and every day leads to uh, another shooting or, you know, things that could easily have turned into homicides. For example, all right, here's the story. Police are investigating, once again, a fatal shooting of a Milwaukee man near 12th and Burleigh yesterday, February 1st. Officials say the shooting happened at 2.40 p.m. The 21-year-old victim was taken to the hospital where he died from his injuries. Police are seeking unknown suspects. 2.40 p.m. 12th and Burleigh, 2.40 in the afternoon, not 2.40 in the morning, 2.40 in the afternoon. And then, of course, the story that we've been talking about on the news all day today, police investigating a triple shooting that occurred last night on the grounds of Rufus King High School. Three teenage girls, ages 16, 17, and 15, were shot around 720 in the 4100 block of North 19th Street. This was on the grounds of the high school. Apparently, after those shootings, two additional female victims, ages 15 and 20, arrived at a hospital also reporting gunshot injuries. Five victims injured when shots were fired outside of Rufus King High School. Um, the story is that the argument that led to the shooting stemmed from a social media dispute. The acting mayor says, late night, last night, yet over yet again, over what seems to be a silly, stupid dispute on Facebook, on social media, guns entered the foray, and people were shot, kids were shot um, over Facebook. And the worst part of it is, wondering what he's going to say the worst part of it is. The worst part is that while those kids were shot, it was adults in their lives that brought guns into the equation. So you, you have irresponsible people you know, with firearms that are willing to use it. So you have five people that are shot last night. And the point I always make about, about homicides is, as bad as homicides are, they're kind of a lagging indicator of violence because every time there's a shooting, it is but for the grace of God that somebody doesn't end up in the morgue or or, you know, tribute to emergency medicine or, or whatever. Because any time there's a shooting, it could easily end up in a death. So anyhow, you've got five people under the age of 20 shot yesterday at Rufus King High School, you know, following a basketball game or whatever. You've got the 21-year-old guy who was murdered yesterday afternoon on 12th and Burleigh. No known suspects for this. And, and the numbers just continue and continue and continue. So the acting mayor has proclaimed this week to be Gun Violence Survivors Week. All right, Gun Violence Survivors Week. And, you know, one of the people who's here from, like, the Brady Foundation and stuff is talking about the problem with gun violence. 
And this comment that was made is, we urge Wisconsin's elected officials to support survivors by doing more to hold the gun industry accountable for its contribution to violence. We must shift the burden of gun violence prevention from survivors to the profiteers, that would be the manufacturers of guns, until we strangle to a trickle the deluge of guns that are flooding our streets. The tragic, unenviable club of gun violence survivors will continue to grow. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So you have spiraling out-of-control homicide rates. You have kids that get into an argument over Facebook and adults that apparently bring guns and show up and and shoot people. You had the incident, what we talked about yesterday, we're in the middle of the afternoon, you have a car that pulls up and opens fire on another car, was it 74th and Capitol? I can't even keep track, there's so many shootings, and and, and an 11-year-old is hit because they're a passenger in the car. And, And we're talking about, we're talking about the firearm industry, the gun manufacturers. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, isn't this really the same argument as saying car thefts are out of control? So what we have to do is we have to blame the auto manufacturers. Now, maybe you can argue that in a perfect world, we, we would have no guns. But that's that's not the world that we live in now. So when you have this explosion of shooting is it is it the gun manufacturers that we hold responsible or or maybe should we hold the people that are engaging and doing the shooting responsible 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line we discuss in a moment Jeff Wagner on WTMJ Eight five five six one six one six twenty. I'm sorry. Arguments like this just make my head explode. We, we have a huge problem in this society in general and in our community here in, in particular with, with gun violence. No question about it. So, but the idea is, well, we're going to hold those gun manufacturers accountable. What What are you talking? about. I mean, it's not the gun manufacturer that's sticking the gun in the face of, of people and taking their cars. It's not the gun manufacturer that's showing up at Rufus King High School after a fight on Facebook and, and shooting, you know, five people. Now, if you want to argue that the world might be better if we lived in a society without guns, all right, let, let, let's have that conversation. That, that That's okay. Explain to me how you're going to really accomplish that. But this idea that Oh, we, we have criminals out there who are, are willing to use the guns over and over again and never be held accountable for that. We have people with the impulse control of a fruit fly that are willing to shoot people over a dispute over Facebook or whatever. Th- that's the gun manufacturer's fault? I mean, that seriously is like saying, all right, we, we've got we've got a problem with reckless driving in the city of Milwaukee. You've got people that are stealing cars and driving 95 miles an hour through the red lights. That that's the fault of the car manufacturer. That let's let's hold those car manufacturers to blame because the thugs and the punks are stealing those cars and driving in that fashion. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dan in Port Washington. Hi Dan. Hey Jeff, how are you? Good. What do you think? Yeah. I know the gun manufacturers should not be held liable. Um, the people, I am a, a handgun owner. I had to register and I took safety courses 
and was forewarned if I ever used this improperly, I would be in more trouble than the people committing crimes. So hence, therefore, the problem is threefold. One, the guns being used are being used by unregistered owners. Number two, there should be an unannounced sweep of the inner city and the neighborhoods where these crimes are prolific, unannounced, and then sweep home by home. I'm sorry, it has to be that way. And number three, if we really want to deal with the root of the problem, I'm sorry. All the other organizations out there as well wake up, and that is 72% of the children born in the city of Milwaukee are born out of wedlock. If you want to address social issues, that's it. If you want to address the handgun, please make a sweep of the predominantly challenged neighborhoods where these weapons are coming from and are being used. Don't make the gun manufacturers pay for social initiatives. Well, Dan, thanks for the call. No, look, I mean, I I think, first of all, violence, gun violence is a societal-wide problem. I I do, you know, it it is interesting. Every time we we talk about what my response is, which is, all right, let's take the high-crime areas, whatever those high-crime areas may be, and and let's, let's flood them with police. Um, I, I always hear this, oh, Jeff, we, we can't have over-policing, to which my response is, why the heck not? Why can't you have over-policing? So you, you get that going on. Um, as far as getting guns off the street, to me, you start with, first of all, getting guns out of the hands of people who should not have guns. You know, if it were up to me, I would put me in the legislature, make me governor, I will sign legislation saying mandatory minimum penalties of incarceration for felons that are carrying guns, mandatory minimum penalties for people who commit crimes with firearms. Let's start talking about that as, as a start. You know, there are, there's, there, I look, I get the idea that high crime areas are awash, awash with guns, and, and many of the guns are illegally possessed or they're illegally owned and all that stuff. Oh, okay, to me, the best way way to get those illegal guns off the street is to seize them and then to look at the people who have them, look at the people who are using them, and get them off the streets as well. That That's the starting point of all this. Let's focus on the people that are committing the crimes. Now, look, I, I think that there's things that you can do around the edges. I mean, I'm one of these guys, and I, I think sometimes people say, well, we, we can't have any sort of you know gun control at all. No, that's, that's not true. I mean, I, I believe in background checks, for example. I mean, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that, okay, before you can buy a firearm, you should have to go through a check to determine whether you're legally able to own that firearm. But then, you know, then, you know, once somebody who is not able to own that firearm legally gets the gun and they use it or whatever, you've got to hold them accountable. number of people are using the analogies, and I agree. People are saying it's like blaming the candy manufacturers for the obesity crisis. Well, right, that that's it. People are saying, oh, you eat at McDonald's every day and you get sick, and so let's blame McDonald's for this. Um, Jeff, maybe we should ban alcohol manufacturers because, well, you know, people get drunk and, and do things like this. Let's go after knife manufacturers, hammer makers, all these different situations. Look, I, again, 
I, I think that if you want to talk about gun manufacturers and if you want to argue that there needs to be more controls to stop these otherwise legal firearms from getting in the hands of people and being used illegally, I'm willing to have that conversation. But that's, that's not the problem. The problem is too many guns in the wrong hands. Let's get those guns out of the wrong hands and let's get those people who are using those guns illegally. Let's, let's get them off the street and protect the rest of society. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Normally, when I, when I plan stuff out, I think, gee, I, I can't imagine a situation where we're going to be talking about Whoopi Goldberg. But in this segment of the program, I do want to talk about Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg is, of course, the, the long-standing, uber-liberal, extremely opinionated uh, member of, of The View, which is the, the show that airs on, on you know, ABC. Um, she is in trouble because for because she said some really really incredibly profoundly stupid things um she got into a discussion of of the holocaust which of course yeah, it's just as, as part of her conversation about the, the holocaust on tv she pronounced that that the holocaust which was the extermination of millions of jews by the nazis was not was not about race you know, it was not about race. Failing to understand that the, the motivation that the Nazis had was an effort to try to eliminate, exterminate the entire Jewish race. But but she doubled down on this. She said, "This this just is it's man's inhumanity to man. It's not about race." And she continued to to do that. Matter of fact, she then went on the Colbert show at night, and she said she didn't want to fake apologize just because people were angry. I'm looking at what she said. This is before everything got really heated. She said, what I said upset a lot of people. It wasn't my intention. I feel being black, black when we talk about race, it's a very different thing to me. So I said I thought the Holocaust wasn't about race, and people got very, very angry. But because I'm black, I, I think of race as being something different. I thought the Holocaust was more about man's inhumanity to man, but people were angry with me. I don't want to fake apologize, she says. I'm very upset that people misunderstood what I was saying. Well, people didn't misunderstand what she was saying. She was saying she didn't think the Holocaust was about race. And because of it, they're saying I'm anti-Semitic and I'm denying the Holocaust and all these other things, which would never occur to me to do. I thought we were having a discussion about race. Okay, so that, that that's what she says then. Then, well, she starts to get a lot of heat from ABC, and then ultimately, you know, she goes on TV the next day and she issues an apology for what she said. ABC has now suspended her for two weeks. The, uh, I'm looking at a memo from the ABC News president who says, Effective immediately, I'm suspending Whoopi Goldberg for two weeks for her wrong and hurtful comments. While Whoopi has apologized, I've asked her to take time and reflect and to learn about the things that she is saying. In a longer memo that was apparently sent to the staff, um, they describe these remarks as misinformed, upsetting, and hurtful. Words matter, and we must be cognizant of the impact our words have. Okay, so she, she's now been suspended for a couple of weeks for, 
for saying this. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I have a more nuanced view of this. First of all, what she said was incredibly, incredibly stupid. Let's just throw that out there. Incredibly stupid, incredibly misinformed. But I guess my question is, since she obviously believed that, should she be suspended for this? Now, now by that I mean, I mean, hear me out. You know, it's it's one thing if, in the course of, uh, in the course of, of a discussion, whether it's on TV or the radio or, or whatever, it's one thing if you you know violate the company standards by saying words that you can't say on TV or, or things like that. But in this particular case, Whoopi Goldberg is hired to express an opinion. She expressed her opinion, which, in my opinion, was stupid, hurtful, misinformed, and all those different things. But it was her opinion. And then she kind of doubled down on on this. All right, isn't she paid to give opinions? And do we really... Is it really appropriate, whether it's Whoopi Goldberg or Tucker Carlson or somebody else, to say, okay, you gave an opinion which was stupid, misinformed, and very, very controversial, very, very hurtful to a lot of people, but it was the opinion you expressed. You are paid to express opinions. I mean, why why punish her for saying something that she obviously believed at the time? 855-616-1620. And this is, by way, no, in no way, shape, or form, an endorsement of, of Whoopi Goldberg. But, I mean, you, if you watch The View at all, there are incredibly stupid and hurtful things that a lot of those panelists end up saying. Do I think this remark was anti-Semitic? Of course it was. Do I think it was incredibly stupid to not appreciate that the Holocaust was about trying to exterminate an entire race of people? Of course it was. But this is this is her opinion. So do you punish her for expressing this opinion? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I mean, and this, this segment isn't intended as me defending Whoopi Goldberg. It, it, it's not. Other than... Whoopi Goldberg expressed what I think is a very stupid uh, opinion regarding, you know, that, that she doesn't, doesn't see the Holocaust as about being about race, not recognizing that the Holocaust was about Nazi Germany's attempt to exterminate an entire race of, of people. So I thought what she said was incredibly dumb. At the same time, now she's been suspended for two weeks. But, but this was the opinion that she expressed. I mean, that as, as ill-considered as this might have been, as hurtful as it might have been, it's it's her opinion, and she kind of gave a, a half butt apology, and then after the controversy didn't go away, she she gave a more I, I guess direct sort of apology. But she's been suspended for two weeks. I guess my question is, they they pay her to give opinions. Should you suspend her because she has given an ill informed, stupid, hurtful opinion? But nevertheless, I mean, it, it it is in fact her. Opinion. Do, do you cancel her for this, 
Or, well, here's one of our texters said, Jeff, I have a proposal. Don't suspend Whitby Goldberg. Don't fire Ilya Shapiro. Don't banish Joe Rogan. Don't pressure Amazon to stop carrying certain books. Don't practice heavy-handed social media deplatforming. Fight bad speech with better speech, not by censoring or deplatforming. In other words, just condemn what she said and, and point out how stupid and ill and just how stupid it was. There's no other word for it. Stupid and hurtful. But do you, what do you accomplish by suspending her for saying something that offended some people but is obviously what she believed? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Terry on the south side. Hi, Terry. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Can you hear me clearly? I can. What do you think? Okay. Uh, yeah, I want to, my point kind of merges into your point of what you said. So besides, like, local news, all of our media is uh, pretty much opinionated media. It's, it's all brainstorming stuff, people giving their opinions and ideas. And these shows like The View, like you said, they're paying people to give their opinions. Now, eventually, when you're having conversations, you're going to say something. Just It's just a matter of time. It's a law of averages. Eventually, you're going to say something that someone is going to deem offensive. Now, if you were having a conversation, me, you, and two other people, if someone says something offensive, we're not going to throw that person out of the room. We're going to say, oh, well, here's why that's wrong. But what society does now is just cancels everybody. And like I told your producer, eventually where this leads to is everyone just shutting up and not saying anything. And unfortunately, most of our entertainment, besides like sports and even some of that with the talk shows, it's all, it's all people talking. And so what, yeah. we just can't talk anymore? No, we're just going to sit and use, like, blinking. We're going to blink at each other, and then eventually <laughs> someone's going to say that's offensive. So I don't understand how we're supposed to communicate. Like the last first uh, texter said, you communicate, you, you fight bad stuff with good stuff, but we can't just keep throwing everybody out of the room because eventually no one's going to be in the room. Th- thanks for calling. I appreciate the perspective. I mean, look, if you... <sighs> I mean, if you look at some of the things that get said on on The View, I mean, it, it's not just Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, Joy Behar, for example. I mean, it says awful things that, in my opinion, are very ignorant about certain, you know, in this case, it's the political class. Well, Republicans do this. All these Republicans do that. But, but, but that's kind of tolerated because, I mean, that, you know... You know, and you can you can say, okay, this is dumb, this is short-sighted, whatever. But this is, you know, this is what we pay you for to to give opinions. Now, I understand there's times that you suspend people for, I know, violations of your violations of of your your code of conduct. Oh, you know, you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to say these sort of things. But you know, we're we're going to, and and you went ahead and did it. So we have no choice but to suspend you. In this case, she's giving her opinion. Now, a number of people are saying, remember the. Remember the Sharon Osbourne example? Sharon Osbourne was on whatever the, whatever they called the CBS show that was that, and, and Sharon Osbourne, you know, went down the, the the rabbit hole and ended up saying some things that I, I think were were very hurtful and inconsiderate with regard and ill thought out with regard to race. And in that particular case, she she ultimately ended up being forced to to step down. And so I, I just. I wrestle with this whole concept. I mean, if this is what Whoopi Goldberg thought, all right, why suspend her for expressing her legitimate opinion about what she thought? Isn't it better, instead of saying, okay, we're going to punish her for expressing her stupid, ill-considered opinion, isn't it better to, okay, bring on all sorts of people and to try to educate her as to, you know, what she should be saying, what, what, what the facts are? 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. 
Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Um, I think that um, the suspending and all this stuff, because of the outrage, personally, I think it all boils down to ratings. I mean, you have a bunch of people that were outraged and obviously called in or whatever they did to uh, get this uh, station to, um, you know, see how furious they were. And, again, you brought up Sharon Osbourne. You know, anytime people are outraged, I think a lot of these shows are about um, uh, ratings when it all boils down to it. And so they have to show their listeners that, you know, they're doing something about it, whether it's discipline or whatever the case might be. And lastly, yeah. you know, if you're looking at the view for uh, advice, I think you're looking at the wrong place anyway. No. Right. Right. Th- thanks for Thank that. You. That's fair enough. That, that's fair. That, that's why, I mean, I started this thinking, okay, I can't believe I'm going to do, you know, 15 or 20 minutes today on, on the radio about the view. But it is it is sort of that, that larger point. And look, I'm, I'm not a fan of Whoopi Goldberg, I, I, and, and I, I don't watch the view as a general rule, so m- most of this stuff doesn't make any difference to me. But I, I do wonder what the standards are, because, in, in, like I say, in this this particular case, she just said, and I think you you are probably on to something. You know, she said something that just, even though it was her sincere belief, offended a lot of people, and and legitimately so. I mean, my gosh, if you, you know, one of the, the things over the last couple of years, I have become extremely close friends with a couple people who are very active, one in particular in the Milwaukee Jewish community. And it's it, it's one of my great pleasures when we get a chance to go out to dinner and stuff. And we, we always end up talking about um, the, the 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 Jewish experience in America, and because of his background, and you know when his parents and grandparents came into the country, it's it's just been fascinating. And he's introduced me to you know Holocaust survivors and stuff, and it's really been an incredible education. And if you get a chance to talk to people like I have, like that, and, and understand what this experience was, you understand how hurtful the things that Whoopi Goldberg would have said. Are, but at the same time, that's the opinion that that she expresses. So, all right, do you do you suspend her? What's the purpose of suspending her? I, I guess you know she expressed her opinion. You're going to suspend her because well, you disagree with her opinion. Well, you're you're paying her for her opinion. In any event, you know she'll be back in a couple of weeks. She will survive this, but. I, you, you kind of wonder where where do we go with discourse and what is the line and what what isn't the line? What can you say? What can't you say? And I don't think anybody knows anymore. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, words do matter. For for Whoopi Goldberg, it was a, a two week suspension. For a, a first time Milwaukee County board candidate named Peter Tace, it, it's kind of the end of his budding political career. This is a story that Dan Bice in the Journal Sentinel has been reporting. It's one of those that you just kind of shake your head and say, what were you thinking? So the guy's running for, for county board, and, and he's at a, a public event in January 19th, and, and, and he starts talking about you know how he, he's concerned with the community in decline. Apparently the guy works as a, an assistant manager at a Walgreens in, in Glendale. And this is the story. He starts telling the story. He says, two black men recently came into his Walgreens in Glendale, where he's assistant manager, reeking of marijuana. The pair swiped some diapers and other baby products and then fled to a car that he, had, that he said had no license plate. He said he could do nothing about the brazen act. Okay, then fine. Then he goes on to say, quote, I don't want this neighborhood to turn into an African shantytown, end quote. <laughs> you know, and, and you sit there and you say, 
What? I, I mean, I, I, if, if his point is, gee, crime is getting worse in Glendale, and we we need to, you know, be more aggressive on this. You, you understand that, but but African shanty town. I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. And of course, that this comes out, and of course, people look at this, and there's there's no way to defend remarks like that. You you can you can make all sorts of points you want about you know crime being out of control, but okay, he decides for whatever use, reason to use the phrase African shanty town, and of course, this then becomes public. Somebody films it and sends it off to the local newspaper, and they write the column, and now he's. Um, announcing that he's, you know, stepping down. He says he's ending his campaign. The problem is you, you really can't. It's very difficult to do that because apparently the ballots have already been printed. But, I mean, this is a situation where words do matter, and whether the guy misspoke or it was ill-considered or whatever, there's nobody in the world, I think, that's going to defend, you know, what he ended up saying. I don't know what's in the guy's heart, but this is, I mean, this is a situation where you say stuff like that, and in the context he said it, there's no walking that thing back. And now his political career essentially is over before it even got started. And it's tough to feel too sorry for the guy because you do want to say, what What were you thinking when you decided to, of all the different phrases and descriptive things that you could use to describe the situation that you're talking about, that African shantytown was the phrase that came to mind? What can you say? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, a number of people are are, are mentioning. Remember Megan Kelly, who was the conservative who got fired at at NBC. Um, she made you know she was talking about you know blackface, and she was saying that blackface was acceptable in the context of Halloween costumes. Saying it's okay when I was a kid as long as you were dressing like a, a character, and and that ended up getting her fired. Now the difference between Megan Kelly and Whoopi Goldberg, in in part, is that. Um, you know, Megan Kelly, her show was tanking to begin with, and I think you know there's you, you always want to look at these things on on an individual you know basis. Megan Kelly, I, her show was tanking, didn't have a lot of rating support, it wasn't that popular, so it was easy to to get rid of her for saying a stupid and offensive thing in, in her context. Whoopi Goldberg says stupid and offensive stuff, and I think people look at that and say, okay, well we'll, we'll give her another we'll give her another chance. And I, my point is, you're you're hiring her, you're paying her to to express her opinion and you got to understand that she's probably going to say some dumb things over time do you need to suspend her for doing that in any event that's what abc has done i earlier this morning i sent this out on a on on tweet it was it's actually it's one of my favorite stories of the day and i was thinking about maybe doing it as a topic but candidly i don't know what the angle on this is other than it's just a heck of a world um if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Apparently, what happens is you know, Golden Corral. You know, Golden Corral is one of the, I don't know, cheap buffet places for for want of a better phrase. You know, it's one of those things where it, they they call themselves a family friendly restaurant, and you go into the buffet lines and things like that. I, I, I don't want to say I've never been to a Golden Corral, but let me put it like this: it it it's it's fine for what it is, but it's not necessarily in the top of my list of places to go. Well, here's the story. Uh, and I guess at Golden Corrals, one of the things that you can do is, you know, that they've got the buffet lines and it's all you can eat. You can you can ask for, the, they'll, they'll make you, 
They'll make you steaks. Okay. Well, here's one of the deals. I mean, and this is what you find in restaurants, that depending on how you want your steak cooked, it could take longer. For example, if you... um, you know, if you want your steak well done, they cook the steak longer than if you want your steak rare, for, for example. So anyhow, apparently this is, this is Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And um, what happens is that there's, there's people in, in line to get, to get food. Okay, they're there. And one of, and a couple of the people, they order steaks. So you've got the cook there who's, I am pulling off the steaks. And a guy orders his steak, like well done or whatever. And then the next guy orders his steak, like medium rare or whatever. And so they put the steaks on. The medium rare steak, surprise, follow surprise, comes off the grill first. And so they give, once it's done, give the medium rare steak to the guy who ordered his medium rare steak. And the other guy who's waiting for his more well done steak, he, he's, he doesn't get his steak. The other guy gets it first. And so the guy who had ordered first but still hasn't been served apparently gets honked off at, at this whole thing and starts to yell. Now, everybody is apparently wearing masks, and they're having a hard time hearing each other. So, you know, it's one of those things, what did you say? What did you say? And so the guy who was served second, even though he ordered first, he is very upset that, that he hasn't gotten his steak before the guy who ordered his steak rare. So right, right now, nobody can hear anything, they say, because they're wearing masks. The guy who hasn't gotten his steak yet, he apparently gets hacked off and and grabs a chair, at which point in time the guy who's been served his steak already grabs his chair to defend himself. Then all of a sudden, punches are getting thrown, chairs are getting thrown, and it, it's like the food fight scene in the movie Animal House. I, I've got a link to the video that's up there, and again, if you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. It, it's, it is a brawl in the buffet line at the Golden Corral. Um, (laughs) Apparently, the the good news is, even though there's punches being thrown and chairs that are being thrown and food that's getting thrown, apparently um, nobody ends up seriously injured. But I I know that there is a topic in there somewhere, and I'm not sure what it is other than to just point it out that we have now gotten to this point, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's masks that people can't hear through, whether we're all just on our last nerve, or whether, you know, people go to the Golden Corral who are willing to duke it out over, you know, who gets their steak first. This is what it has come to, a brawl in the buffet line at the Golden Corral. My advice Next time, try Denny's. When we come back, gone but not necessarily forgotten and maybe not gone forever. We'll discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase is its presenting sponsor, Great Midwest Bank. From Madison to Milwaukee and all parts in between, Great Midwest Bank is your simply local, equal housing, home renovation lender. Contact them at 888-485-4400 or visit them at greatmidwestbank.com. You know, I was just talking about that the tweet I sent out that's got this video of a knockdown, drag-out fight that breaks out 
at the buffet line in a golden corral of all places. And a number of people are correctly pointing out that it sounds like either something you'd see on The Simpsons or something you'd see on Saturday Night Live. But um, interesting to say, a guy says, I worked at a Ponderosa. They still didn't have Ponderosas anymore. I worked in the Ponderosa in the late 90s for about four years. This behavior does not surprise me in the least. So apparently that's what, um, you know, that's what you should have out there. So, uh, again, I'm thinking, okay, I can't imagine me getting into a, I, I, I'm as, Irritated sometimes as anybody when you know when food gets delayed and stuff. Although, given everything that's going on in the with a, in the pandemic and stuff, you really do. To borrow Debbie Lasga's phrase, you really do have to pack your patience when you go to places because a lot of folks are they're understaffed. You know, sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. But no way, shape, or form am I going to get into a fist fight or throwing chairs while I'm standing in line at a Golden Corral. But that's just me. All right, let us regear gear. I um. I still bear some of the psychic scars from the discussions about Miller Park back in the mid-1990s. I was just starting out in talk radio back then, and I can remember that the heated battle, if you were not in southeastern Wisconsin in 94 or 95, the, the idea was we, we used to have County Stadium. County Stadium was where the, the Brewers played. It's where the Packers played a couple games. County Stadium was on its last legs. The first couple of years I worked at WTMJ, I can remember we do events there, and I got to go underneath County Stadium, and I was just I was waiting for OSHA to come and close it down. It, it just it is, it is impossible to describe how how bad County Stadium was. So the push was, all right, in order to keep the brewers in Milwaukee, what you do is you need to build a new stadium that became Miller Park, now American Family Field. And the question became, how was it going to be paid for? And a huge fight, and I, I'm sorry if you were around in the 1990s, I understand we're going over you know, well-trod ground, but for people who weren't, it was a huge political battle about how it was going to be paid for. And ultimately, the plan that emerged was a five-county sales tax, 0.1% sales tax from Milwaukee, Ozaki, Washington, Waukesha, and Racine counties. The the fight over this, it was late-night hearings, and ultimately a, a state senator from Racine named George Petak, who was a Republican, he ended up voting no originally and then changing his vote to say, to vote yes, which allowed the thing to, to go through, and he ended up losing in a recall. But it's incredible, especially looking back, how volatile things were about this 0.1% sales tax. I think as we look back, and I was an advocate of, of it at the time, uh, but people in Racine in particular were going, well, that have it, having a Brewer Stadium does nothing for us. Why, why should we have to pay a 0.1% sales tax? I think looking at where we are now, you know, 25 years later, I, I think it's, it is impossible for anybody to argue that Miller Park, now American Family Field, you know, hasn't been just an absolute huge success not just for the city of Milwaukee, not just for Milwaukee County, but for for the entire region. And, you know, ultimately, if you look what happened with the baseball team, it ended up getting sold, and Mark Antanasio and his ownership group owns it now, and the Brewers are successful, and it, everything's good. I think most people would look and say, yes, this was a worthwhile investment. Okay, so why are we talking about that? Well, the the five 
county sales tax that paid for Miller Park has, has now sunsetted. It's sunsetted after 23 years. All right, and and it's been it's been gone for about two years. I'm not sure, in all honesty, that anybody really noticed the difference. It was 0.1 percent. But the story in the Journal Sentinel is that the sales tax, which helped finance the stadium that's been gone for two years, it might, and I say might, this is not a certainty, it might come back within the next few years. And the way they explain it in the newspaper is because obligations spelled out in the lease between the brewers and the the stadium district, uh, the brewers apparently have commissioned a study of improvements that are expected to be needed at the stadium through 2040. Their lease runs through 2030, and then they've got an option for another 10 years. If the costs of these improvements exceed the stadium district's $87 million reserve fund, the taxpayers in the five counties could have to pick up the tab. Now, nobody knows whether whether there's going to be a a shortfall. Uh, The brewers are obviously a little bit concerned uh, about that maybe that $87 million isn't enough. I mean, the Brewers have a commitment to Milwaukee. They also want to make sure that the ballpark is suitable for the next uh, generation. And apparently the, the deal is that the, the, the taxpayers, the stadium district, has an obligation to keep the stadium up you know, consistent with, you know, what's what's going on with other things in Major League Baseball. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, again, a lot of this is speculative, so there, there's no need for anybody to, you know, be, be driving cars off cliffs figuratively right now or saying, okay, that the stadium tax might come back. But I guess there is a possibility moving forward over the next several years that in order to keep the stadium current, you might have to bring that tax back. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a complete and total non-starter? Or if, in fact, to keep the stadium major league quality, you need to reinstitute the tax for a couple years, would that be feasible? Could it be done? Or would we be going through everything we went through in 1996? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No need to panic yet, but it's a possibility. How should this be handled? We discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. Bob in Greenfield. Hi, Bob. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Um, I... I think this is a non-starter. You know, I mean, the Brewers have a dome stadium. You know, can you imagine, like, what the Minnesota people would do to get a dome stadium or Detroit or, you know, the Cubs? Uh, You know, most of the time they're spending money, it's on cosmetic changes. I mean, it's a baseball game. You know, they want to put in a new uh, scoreboard. They want to put in a new um, uh, scoring systems on the – the uh, outfield fences, you know, they 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 want it to be, you know, up to snuff. But I mean, it, we need you know what we need is an owner with some money, you know, with a lot of money. 
I mean, well, uh, okay. Can, well, thanks for the call, but I mean, I mean, I, I think you can argue that 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 this ownership group has invested a lot of money in the team and signing long-term contracts and spending money on on people like you know Christian Yelich and stuff like that. But I mean, you, you're you're right. At the at, at the end of the day, it's a game. At the same time, people people like the amenities, people like the ribbon boards and the new scoreboards, and those are the things that that keep people coming back. And it's the thing that other stadiums have. Look, I um. I hope. I guess my take on this is: I hope it doesn't come to this because it's it's going to be another brutal fight. And I, as somebody who remembers what we went through in the '90s, I I, I remember that. I think that um, I actually liked what uh, Rick Schlesinger, who's the Brewers uh, CEO, said. He said, look, may- maybe what we need to do, if there's a shortfall, is we need a creative solution that involves a lot of stakeholders. And I, I don't know exactly what that means, but I-, I do know that reinstituting the tax, as minor as that might be, is just going to be, it's going to be a huge, bloody, figuratively speaking, political battle. So... I, I hope that there's other ways to do it. Um, obviously, the, the best case scenario is if you've got 90 million bucks, that can solve all the stuff. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But what you want to do is I, I think we, we want to start at least as a first step, trying to figure out how much we're going to need and then maybe exploring some alternative ways of generating revenue, not unlike some of the things, for example, Summerfest has done before you go back to the taxpayers, which I think would create a lot of angst. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Well, the long national nightmare is over. The NFL's Washington football team has now announced its new name. You will recall that for years and years and years, the Washington football team called themselves the, the Redskins, and that generated a lot of controversy. The argument was that it was derogatory towards Native Americans. For years and years, the Washington football team resisted urges to change, and then ultimately they ended up caving into the political pressure, but they couldn't decide on what the name was. So for the last two years, they've simply been referred to as the Washington Football Club. Well, today, the team has a new nickname. They are, wait for it, they are the Commanders, the Washington Commanders. This is after 87 years as the Redskins. They're they're keeping the the same color scheme. I've seen that the helmets, they're sort of alike. Um, I think there's a lot to say that the uniforms are very, very similar, but now... Now they are rebranding it. Um, they are going to be. They're going to be the commanders. I guess to me, whether or not this succeeds or not, do I think commanders is as bad as like Marquette Gold would have been? No, and it's probably better than the Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland Indians, by the way, they're no more now. They're the Cleveland Guardians. Washington Commanders. Okay, people are saying that the some people are saying, oh, this is welcome. Some people are saying the fan base will never accept it. Here, here's what's going to happen: if Washington wins and the team starts producing, people will adopt to the idea of the Commanders. If they don't, well, um, it's going to be one of these issues. But I, I think ultimately, I do it. 
if if you had to get rid of Redskins, and I guess they decided they had to get rid of Redskins, do I think Commanders is the worst option? No, I, I guess I, I don't. It's kind of like, eh, all right, what, whatever. All right, let us switch gears. I have pretty much avoided the controversy that's been going on over the last couple weeks involving Spotify. Spotify is the streaming service that people uh, you can do it for free. Lots of people pay money for it. It's the big service in in the world. And on Spotify, you can stream music from a number of different uh, artists. In addition, you have access to podcasts and things of the like. Joe Rogan, who is an opinion journalist, comedian, podcaster, however you want to describe him, very, very controversial. Signed a deal a couple years ago with Spotify. They're paying him $100 million to do a podcast, which is the most listened-to podcast on Spotify, maybe the most listened-to podcast in the United States. Joe Rogan is, he's by the way, he's not a conservative. He, he's not. He's, he, he, if anything, I, I think politically, he, he, I would describe him as a, as a liberal. He was a supporter of Bernie Sanders but, you know, back in, in the day. But he's one of these guys who questions authority on, on a regular basis. There's something sort of Aaron Rodgers-ish about Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan, I, I think it would be fair to describe him as a, a COVID or slash vaccination skeptic. I mean, I don't know if he's really an anti-vaxxer or not, but he has had, as guests on his program, a number of people who have questioned the conventional wisdom that, that you know, we've been getting from the Anthony Fauci's of the world uh, about, you know, the the, ne- the necessity for vaccinations, etc., the rejection of alternative remedies and things like that. So Rogan has become controversial because of his well, depending on how you look at it, either his questioning about conventional wisdom or his spreading of misinformation. And, and you can describe that however you want. Well, in an effort to respond to that, you have some of predominantly aging multimillionaire artists who've decided that they want to make a stand. So you know, Neil Young from the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young Day, who's worth a couple hundred million dollars, he said, I, I want to pull my music off of Spotify. Joni Mitchell said the same sort of thing. Now, these were all artists big in the 70s. Niles Lofgren, um, he's done the same thing, guitarist for the E Street Band. So a, a number of these artists are saying, we, we want to pull the stuff. Spotify, so far, has stood with, with Neil Young, with um. Joe Rogan, they said, look, we're, we're not pulling the stuff, but we will put essentially warnings out there telling people that, all right, if you're going to listen to this, be, be warned that these ideas might challenge what you hear from Anthony Fauci. I, I, you know, the, the whole thing, it's a private business. Spotify gets to do what they, they want to do. And the fear, I guess, that some people say is, well, look, if, if they don't give in and, and pull a guy like Rogan off, what that's going to do is that's going to really hurt their business because if if more artists, if, if this is just the tip of the iceberg and more artists start to pull their music from Spotify, it's going to end up hurting them. And, and that's the aspect of this that I want to discuss. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know what Spotify is, but I, I don't I don't use Spotify. That's not how I, I listen to music um i i guess and that's where i really want to discuss how how badly 
will this, if if a number of these artists go ahead with their demands to be pulled off of Spotify, how badly will that really hurt? I mean, if you want to listen to Neil Young, for example, I mean, are you, and the fact that his music isn't on Spotify, and you like the other stuff that's on Spotify, is that going to cause you to, to drop Spotify? I, I think, I mean, for many of us, like I say, I mean, I, I like Neil Young. I've, I've purchased over the years a number of his albums or his CDs or, or whatever, and I, I've got that on my iTunes. You know, there's all sorts of ways you can listen to stuff. I'm just not sure how many people depend exclusively on Spotify and how many people, if you do have Spotify, would bail on Spotify simply because this artist or that artist isn't on it. Our number, 855-616-1620. How do you listen to music nowadays? If you do listen to music, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, it, it's it's Amazon, and it's it's my own personal like iTunes collections and things like that. And I listen to a lot of music. I purchase a lot of music, but I don't need Spotify for that. Never had it. 855-616-1620, how do you listen to music? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Wondering what 2022 will have in store? Well, join WTMJ on Thursday, February 17th for a day-long broadcast on the topics that impact your everyday life. Politics, the economy, health, and more. Big issues from big names on the biggest stick in the state, WTMJ 2022. It is Thursday, February 17th from 9 in the morning till 6 at night. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by the Bartolotta Restaurants. Find more information at WTMJ.com. All right, I, I, I'm intrigued by the, this Spotify situation, Neil Young and Joe Rogan. As much for the fact that it, how big is really Spotify, and is this going to affect them, or are, are people going to be able to find their music other places as well if, all right, Neil Young leaves Spotify? Is that really a big deal? Sam in Milwaukee. Sam, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Well, so I listen to Spotify, or I used to listen to Spotify a lot to listen to music, and then... I now primarily listen to music through uh, Apple Music. Uh, but as far as Spotify, I only listen to Spotify because Joe Rogan is on there. And with Neil Young, we're talking about Neil Young as a musical artist, you know, back in the 70s, talking about, you know, he used to put questionable substance in his body, and now he's coming out, you know, part of the establishment. And if we put it in perspective... Right. Joe Rogan has over 11 million people that listen to him every podcast that he puts out there. So Spotify doesn't need Joe Rogan. Or Joe Rogan doesn't yeah. need Spotify. Spotify needs Joe Rogan. Right. And from the perspective of Neil Young, if you want to listen to Neil Young music, there, there's a lot. I mean, my guess is a lot of people have purchased Neil Young music and they have access to it. Or you've got the the other things. So thanks for the call. I appreciate eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, again, I'm uh, part of the thing that constrains me here is is I'm not a user of Spotify. That's not how I, I get music. 
But if I were a user of Spotify, I, I wouldn't stop doing it just because a handful of artists decided that they weren't going to participate. And it's and not saying I wouldn't even listen. I mean, I like Joni Mitchell. I mean, I, I think, you know, some of her albums in the early 1970s were absolutely tremendous. But unless you're going to get into a situation where the, a huge number of artists decide that, that they're going to, you know, pull their, their music off that streaming service, Neil Young... It gets attention, but Neil Young doesn't hurt Spotify, I don't think, by not being on him. Jonah on the north side. Jonah, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing today, Jeff? Good. What do you think? I absolutely could not live without Spotify. I can tell you honestly, I'm a huge fan of uh, Neil Young. I've seen him in concert a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. If they were, if all of his music is yanked off of there, it's not going to be the end of the, the world for me because... Um, I use Spotify for a million other artists. I could find Neil on YouTube if I if I need to. Plus, I've got, you know, I believe it or not, I have one of the old iPods that I've got some of his, yeah. his albums loaded on. But everything, the thing that's so amazing with Spotify is that it recognizes the music that you play, and their algorithm will start rec- recommending <laughs> bands and music to you that you may not have ever been exposed to. And so I've, I've discovered a ton of artists that I never even knew about that I've been in love with now. So I, I, I would, get, by getting rid of Neil, I'm not leaving Spotify. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I guess that that's kind of and the same thing. Look, I mean, I like Neil Young too. I mean, I I, I mean, I think his like after the Gold Rush and Harvest, th- those albums from the early seventies are, are are just absolutely tremendous. I, I Joni Mitchell, I'm a fan of, but like I say, I've got I've got music libraries that are there. If I want to listen to them, and I was big into Spotify, I, I I'd have a alternate ways of listening to them. And I, I think I'd be kind of like you if I loved Spotify. I, I'm not going to bail on Spotify because they don't have this artist or that artist or whatever. Exactly. Now, thanks for the perspective. I I, I appreciate it. It's just, and and I think, you know, I think it's also true, and I do not mean to be ageist about this, but I can be a little bit of ageist because I'm, 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 as a baby boomer myself, I, I can say this. I think my guess is that while there are people of all age groups who are, are using Spotify, my guess is the the Neil Young, the hardcore Neil Young fans, the people who've you know been with him since the '60s and, and the '70s and stuff. My guess is the vast majority of those people, Joni Mitchell as well, the vast majority of those people. Well, they're not necessarily the hardcore Spotify um, users. They're they're people like me who you know have the various collections. They've got maybe they got the CDs. They've got vinyl. They they've got it loaded on you know their iTunes accounts. They've got those old iPods that the last uh, guy was talking about. They, they've got that. And so you know yeah maybe there, there's some people that are using Spotify. But my guess is, as our last caller was saying, my guess is that. Um, Joe Rogan is much more important to Spotify, big picture, than Neil Young or Joni Mitchell would be. 855-616-1620. Um, Jeff, Leonard Skinner, you know, put it, you know, tell Neil Young, Southern man doesn't need him around anyhow. I have Spotify. I love the playlists and the options they have available. I'll end up keeping it. Um, Jeff, I'm a, I, I buy a lot of music, mostly 45s uh, and LPs, CDs as well. I'm also a subscriber to Spotify just because of the convenience and the ease of ability to listen to it via Bluetooth. Um, I support the music artists, and I buy their stuff. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Spotify provides, like I say, a, a great 
a, a great sort of service. I mean, for me, it's Amazon Music. For me, it's um, I, I like Sirius XM. I mean, and, and some of the stuff they, they have. I, I end up listening to a lot of their different stations as well. Jeff, I listen to FM radio still or radio apps on my turntable. My, my point is there's a lot of different options for music, and Neil Young certainly has the right to express his opinion. Joni Mitchell has the right to express her opinion. In the perspective of this, though, there's lots of ways you can access their music, and I'm not surprised at all that Spotify is choosing Joe Rogan over Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and a handful of other artists who might decide that they're going to make a statement. I'll also make the prediction, my prediction, Neil Young is back on Spotify within six months. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.